you want your child to speak Spanish fluently but need classes to be affordable and fit your busy schedule, it's time to try True Fluency Kids, the leading online Spanish immersion program for children. Experienced native speaking teachers use live, fun, and engaging lessons to teach the most common words to get your child speaking Spanish with confidence right away. Use code INTUITIVEPOD20 to save 20% off your first course at truefluencykids.com. Welcome to the Intuitive Family Podcast, the show that helps your family live intuitively and thrive, not just survive. I'm your host, Camille Kirksey. Join me as I share the stories of families living outside the norm who embrace the power of intuition to make unconventional choices that align with their family values and not those of the Joneses. I can't wait for you to meet today's guest. So without further ado, let's start the show. In this episode, you'll meet Lucy Ackenreed, an unschooling mom of two, unschooling coach, and rewilding guide living in New Zealand. Lucy's passion for unschooling and activism has inspired many around the world to embrace a new way of viewing education, parenting, intentional living, and the rights of children. I'm sure she'll inspire you too. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Lucy. And if you're a homeschooler, I have an awesome opportunity to learn more from Lucy that I'll share after her interview. So stick around to hear all about it. For now, on with the show. All right. Thank you, Lucy, for being here today. I'm so excited to talk to you. It's so good to be here, Camille. Thank you for having me on. Of course. So in case the audience is not familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about you and your family? So I am Lucy. I am an English woman living in Aotearoa, New Zealand, uh, with my partner, Tim, and our two kids, Ramona and Gino, who are 10 and 12, and they've never been to school. And so we basically just live a bit of a, an adventure, an evolving adventure. We've been up to all sorts of things over this last decade, here, there, and everywhere, but yeah, just trying to design a life where we can all flourish, basically. Yeah, I love that. Um, I've watched you on YouTube, like I mentioned, for a long time. So I feel like I've seen your kids grow up a little bit. Um, and you guys expand, too, from moving and traveling and stuff like that. So, yeah, and I would love to know, like, what inspired this? Because I know you said you're from, you're an English woman, so you're from the UK, and you moved to New Zealand. What inspired that move and moving into unschooling and activism and all that? Yeah, well, I moved to Aotearoa, New Zealand when I was 18 and um, ended up actually studying here and doing my degree here. And um, then I met Tim, my partner, while I was in New Zealand and we got married super quickly. We just like fell in love and got married. And then I was like, you should come to England and meet my family. So we went over to England for like a year, but we ended up being there for seven years because wherever we land, we just love it. We're like, oh my God, love this place. (laughs) So we ended up staying for seven years, ended up having our kids in London. And then when uh, Ramona was two and a bit and Juno had just been born, we kind of took a bit of a look around and we were like, oh, we could feel that we were on the precipice of 
becoming very normal, you know, like having to pay a mortgage in London. So both of us sort of working and, you know, maybe the kids doing what, you know, just getting into the early childhood to school pipeline. And we were, we kind of just looked around and we're like, that's not the life that we want. We don't want to have this um, drudgery of waking up every day in order to go to work to pay a mortgage and not really see your kids very much. And we just had a really strong instinct that there was something else out there. And at that stage, we didn't know what that was. So we packed up our lives in London and we took a big trip around Europe in a camper van that we shared with my parents. We co-owned a VW camper van. We took it around Europe and we just chose to see that time as, you know, I guess we could call it like a, a research journey. <laughs> but we just went with open hearts and we were like, wherever we end up, whatever we learn, let's just take it all in, like sort of decompress from, you know, living in the inner city and starting to be kind of like, like live kind of a normal life, whatever, decompress from all that and just open up to whatever might be possible for, you know, in human potential. And it's kind of amazing because that was that was really the trip where so many threads began to emerge. And so the unschooling began there, actually, because we I had picked up from a secondhand store um, a John Holt book, you, you know, oh, he's yeah. sort of the grandfather, perhaps, of the what I call the third wave of unschooling. Um, or maybe, no, he's second wave unschooling, actually. The sort of like uh, resurgence of it in the, the 70s and 80s. So he, I was reading this book and my brain was enjoying the book, but I was also a little bit like, is this just fantastical? You know, like, yeah. but then we ended up at a forest school in the Black Forest in Germany mm. while I was reading this book. And my kids like started going to this little school for two weeks. We parked up there and um, just hung out with these kids for, for two weeks and sat in on their circles and just observed these kids with no curriculum no teaching um very very light touch holding from the adults like basically the adults who you know they were in their care would just turn up with their flute and just sort of like sit in the corner of the forest and play their flute while the kids just navigated everything like filled their whole days up with the most like incredible um learning activities and it was just this amazing combination of reading the theory and then seeing it in practice honestly it was like uh, a spell an alchemy just occurred inside of me and I was like yep no way are my kids ever going to school there's no need and that was just the start of of the whole thing for for us so we ended up in New Zealand after that um coming back to sort of Tim's home country and um yeah we immediately rocked up to an unschooling camp and we looked around and we we're like these are our people <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah we've we've never really looked back yeah so that's Absolutely. the origin story my yeah. unschooling origin story 
And what a story that is. And I mean, normally those of us who kind of just fall into home education, we definitely don't always start with Holt. But if I started with Holt and then moved into the forest and saw that it's not just a theory, like mm-hmm. kids can do these things if we allow them. Yeah, yeah I would jump head first too. That's right. I mean, yeah, for me as yeah. well, like that's a really big part of why I have shared so much online mm-hmm. through YouTube and through my um, social media accounts. You know, I'm really trying to offer the same potential alchemy. It's not quite the same as being in the forest right. with like 30 kids, <laughs> but to actually see visually in front of you people who are living this way does, I think, activate a, a part of um the potential for people you know like they see it in practice and they're like oh this can actually happen yeah. you know it can be very powerful absolutely and this actually leads into my next question because this is something that's in your profile at least on Instagram that I saw about a get out of uh, school free card and I wonder <laughs> why do you think the world needs that why do why do us adults need to get uh, a get out of school free card? I love that you noticed that. That's so random of me. I just, yeah, I was, uh, it was just going to be the straight up Monopoly card, like get out of jail free, like, because I basically see school as a a little jail. Mm -hmm. And and then I was like, that's so cryptic. No one's going to know what I'm talking about. I mean, I feel like it's still probably cryptic, but you got it. So that's cool. (laughs) I feel (laughs) that is a, a lot of about what my life is about for sure is showing and giving people a pass you know like um that image of when you go on like a school trip and you get like a permission pass to like be outside of school and that's kind of what I feel um I want to give people is the uh, permission to uh, one have their kids outside of a system but two to get the school out of their body you know that phrase, you can take the girl out of school, but it's a different thing to get the school out of the body. And that's not a phrase. I made that up. But I think it's usually, <laughs> it's it. usually about countries, you know, like you can take the girl out of London, but you can't take yeah. the girl, which is kind of true. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think the same for school. Um, you know, we spend so many of our formative years in uh, this very punitive environment very very controlling environment where we don't get to make our own decisions we have to trespass against our bodily needs you know where every hour is minutely planned um where we we are really asked over and over and over again to disconnect from ourselves and that uh, leaves an imprint you know where many of us will be in that environment And our most formative years for between like 10 and 15 years. And that leaves an imprint in us as adults. So um, I really, a lot of my work is about helping people to get the school out of their bodies and their Mm -hmm. minds, you know, to really deprogram fully from that imprinting that school has left in them. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, people talk about de-schooling and that's something we'll, you know, hopefully touch on a little bit later. But, you know, de-schooling seems like so static, like, oh, if we do it for just a short period of time for the kids, wink, wink, 
um, then everything will flow. But it's really the adults. A lot of our conditioning comes through and stops the process and doesn't allow us to give ourselves permission. So I love that you focus on that. And that, the visual of uh, how you just laid it out was great. I love that pass. Like I'm handing it to you. What are you going to yeah. do with it? <laughs> Everyone gets one. Yeah, let's do it together. I love that. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, unschooling a little bit in the sense of what do you think most people misunderstand about unschooling um, when it comes to, you know, a lifestyle, I guess? What do you think they don't get? Oh, that's a great question. I wonder if perhaps most people think uh, when they first hear unschooling that it's about the learning you know it's about oh those people are homeschoolers but they just don't teach academics or something like that whereas the more that you live the unschooling life the learning portion of it just really fades completely away um and I so I think that is the biggest distinction is that unschooling is a whole paradigm. It's not about the learning at all. And, and you know, I think unschoolers can kind of get a bit frustrated about that when, you know, um, they've been in it for a few years and and then people are like just obsessed over the like teaching. Oh, you don't teach writing? You don't teach spelling? You know, and, and unschoolers are like, <laughs> it's well. so much more than that that right. is like the tiniest speck of dust in the whole universe of unschooling yeah because the paradigm is um is one of um no hierarchy of anything so no hierarchy of skills no hierarchy of learning but no hierarchy also of other stuff no hierarchy of relationships no hierarchy of joys yeah so it's a really non-hierarchical almost um you know it's a bit of an anarchy to be honest where um not in a, a bad like punk rock way although we could begin to own that a little more maybe mm. um but in in the way that you know we're not placing any one thing or any one subject or any one person kind of above above another and I think that is really the paradigm shift that people maybe don't understand but is maybe the most powerful and potent part of what unschooling offers the world uh, you know it's a, a full worldview of of connection mm. you know it's a full yeah. in practice embodiment of resisting the great myth of separation that imperialism has been trying to force on everyone. And that goes for miles, actually, once you get into how do you really embody, um, you know, resistance against the myth of separation? It's like, yeah, you can get into some quite um, sort of existential areas. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I love that you bring this up because I've never heard unschooling explained that way. Normally it is like you're saying, like it's very focused on the learning and the children. Right. It's not like a holistic kind of 
it's not about connection, how you're saying. And I think that goes just for home education, period. It's normally very focused on the academics and the kids. And that's one of the things that I realized probably a good three to five years in that I'm like, wait a minute, this is more probably about me (laughs) a lot of the time. And the things that I have to question to make sure that how our life is the intention I have for our kids and not all the conditioning that has brought me here. And yeah, I love how you explain that because it's, that's really, it's about your personal journey, not just as a parent or, you know, unschooler specifically. Totally. Yeah. And in that sense, you know, unschooling isn't about school at all. And actually you could even be unschooling and have your kids in school, Um, you know, And some people really don't like that because unschoolers do have very particular challenges because often our kids are on a totally different pace to all other kids. You know, when you don't um, enforce a curriculum, you know, you're really opening yourself up to your kids not learning to read until way later, like Mm -hmm. years and years after their um, peers are. Um, I mean, often that's not the case, like some quite a lot of unschoolers learn to read in completely the same pace, but you have to be open to your kids learning to read, you know, years and years after their peers. And so that is like a very particular challenge. So it can be a little (laughs) bit triggering, I think, for unschoolers to hear like, oh, well, our kids are in school, but we are unschoolers, you know, like, do you have to face like people asking you every single day why your child isn't reading yet no you don't like you actually get to have you know kids on the same pace as all the other peers but you get to like revel in the idea of being an unschooler yeah (laughs) that is true there is there yeah there that is that and I but I think what it comes down to like we were kind of talking about is just your mindset and your understanding of what the intention is. It's like, yeah. we're, you know, unschoolers, homeschoolers, whatever. It's not really about the label. It's the, it's about the approach. I agree. Exactly. And in that sense, you know, sometimes I feel, I really feel like I have, I would have more in common with school parents mm-hmm. than some homeschoolers, you know, homeschoolers who are really enforcing a top-down hierarchical approach to skills and relationships and time. Um, you know, homeschoolers who are not deprogramming from the great myths of contemporary imperialism. You know, we we are not on the same page. We are not floating in the same vibe. Whereas actually there's probably a ton of school parents out there who, yeah, their kids go to school, but they are very, very much working on this paradigm shift, living in a paradigm of connection and, um, you know, uh, non-separation. Are you a parent searching for an enriching educational experience for your kids that sparks curiosity, encourages innovation, and embraces diversity through STEM and language arts? Discover Hewitt Learning. As a nonprofit, they are dedicated to providing creative and accessible resources, such as the Adventurous NC Detective Agency, the Well-Loved Mathic Games, and the Engaging Lightning Lit series. But Hewitt Learning goes beyond curriculum. Their National Innovator Challenge 
inspires kids to tackle real-world problems, fostering critical thinking and global connection. It's not just a competition. It's an empowering journey towards becoming changemakers. Redefine learning and prepare your child to engage meaningfully with our diverse world by visiting Hewitt Learning online at hewittlearning.org intuitive. That's hewittlearning.org intuitive. I was prowling on your uh, website, of course, in preparation for this interview, and um, you have a section talking about parenting, right? So attachment, parenting, all these different labels for really what should be the norm, <laughs> but attachment parenting, gentle parenting, progressive parenting, whatever. Um, so over the past decade, I would say, and I think you would agree, um, it's become less taboo to actually mm -hmm. respect your kids <laughs> and, you know, include their voice in, in your parenting, right? Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think people are more open to that kind of, I mean, I want to say as more of a, uh, like a traditional type of parenting, like world, like thinking as far as how the world goes, but why do you think it's, people are more um, open to respecting their kids nowadays than before? I love this question. Yeah, I know. I sometimes think about this, like my Instagram feed is like filled with amazing, respectful parent advocates and, and like massive influencers, like referencing gentle parenting and stuff like that. And I'm like, so amazed and wowed at it and just like, love that it's getting so much incredible resourcing you know like if you want to do this you can do it there's resources out there I can remember um you know not to be woe is me but it's just funny you know um getting really ripped to shreds actually um you know 10 years ago when I was writing blogs about child rights and the idea that you should really like not do things to your kids without their permission and people would be like that's so privileged you know just like totally taking me down for being just um the most privileged mother e ever that I could advocate for treating your children with rights and dignity um like no jokes that's literally how how the story went and um you know it was yeah kind of confusing because I was like wait right. <laughs> do they realize what they're saying maybe yeah <laughs> you know like I was really trying to get across this idea that children are a very marginalized group of people mm -hmm. and actually if we continue to marginalize and oppress them that's going to contribute to the marginalization and oppression in every other sphere it, it was kind of a really intersectional approach Definitely. to to yeah. rights and justice but it was like the social justice gang that like were just like no that's so privileged da 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 you know and um yeah it was a very confusing time but uh, I just love that you basically can't really imagine that happening now 10 years later you know right. it's probably the same gang of people are like yeah you know right <laughs> right you know and I yeah. love it. it's just kind of hilarious and really shows how quickly um this evolution is happening and and so to answer your question I actually think it's an evolutionary process that we're in and um, one of the 
teachers that I love out there who does amazing work around kind of the psyche and the spirit, Caroline Miss. Mm, Uh, Okay. Yeah, she's she writes a lot about archetypes. That's how I got into her work because I'm all about the archetypes. And um, yeah, I was watching a a class with her, and she reckons that this recent evolution of the last kind of thirty years is a result. This is kind of random. I don't know. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm gonna say it though. Would you random it's, here, please? Okay, cool. It chimed. <laughs> it really chimed with with me. She reckons that the nuclear age basically brought on a very swift evolution. Like this idea that we can, at a touch of a button, destroy all of humankind, basically like supercharged the human kind of emotional intelligence button. Because if we're going to have that power to destroy all of humankind with one touch, um, we actually need to level up our emotions and our intelligences in order to be able to deal with that kind of power. Um, So she was just floating this theory. And at first I was like, what? And and I've been thinking about it since I'm like, kind of does make sense. Yeah. You know, you would because it does feel to me as if there has been a massive acceleration mm-hmm. in our um, understanding of ourselves, of our understanding of human relationships, our understanding of empathy and, you know, all of that stuff like is changing so quickly, almost year by year, it feels like. And it can be overwhelming. Like I, I know it can sometimes be like this so much healing going on can I just get a pause (laughs) you know um but it does feel to me that it's not just in parenting Mm -hmm. and every we we are healing you know huge generational traumas um in a very rapid way right now and so if she's got an explanation I'll take it (laughs) Yeah, like those, I would never have made those connections, but things like since the industrial revolution on like the last hundred years have been just complete craziness. Like so many things are happening. So many people are born and just there's this, like you said, there's this new way, like this new age of understanding and consciousness. And then with our children and how they're growing up, where I I like to remind parents, you know, I was born in in the 80s, 1980. And I understand what it's like to not have the internet and then to get the internet. So I get the analog and the digital, right? Most of the people I talk to get that. But our kids don't know anything about analog. They know right now, if I want to learn right now, and I don't have to take your word for it. And adults don't know how to deal with that. But the kids get it and we need to allow them to lead us into this new age because you're right. We're already ushering it in, ushering it in. Yeah. But yeah, I love that people are embracing it and, and yeah. advocating for it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. so exciting. It's such an exciting age. And, you know, when I was first getting into this stuff, sort of when Ramona was a toddler and so she'd kind of reached that very, very willful stage, you know, and I was like, what do I do here? And and now it seems apparent to me that when toddlers reach that age, 
parents are at a crossroads and they might have all been attachment parenting up until that stage, but then you get to the willful toddler age and you're like, (laughs) what am I going to do? Am I going to go more control and get this on lock, you know, um, control this well and be the man or am I going to allow this will to bloom and basically surrender to whatever I need to do to just, you know, that classic crossroads. And so I was, I was really in research mode. Like that's what I do. I kind of like read everything I can in order to try and make a decision. So I was reading everything. And one of the really formative books for me was um, Robin Grill's uh, Peaceful Parenting book. And he looks at kind of the history of humankind and and really makes a compelling argument that um you know violence begets violence oh surprise surprise (laughs) but you know he does it more like sort of conclusively than that that you know um gentle parenting um always comes before peaceful eras in Mm. society and punitive like Spartan type parenting always comes before the greatest periods of war and conflict. You know, he makes this very uh, illuminating case for it, um, you know. And so he he says that a, a generation raised in peace with peaceful parenting, you know, will have such a marked impact on society in general you know and that really became like the great theme of my parenting you know really clinging to that belief you know and and I really think that that to be true and and when I look around now and I see you know how children are after they've been parented this way it's really so significant my daughter is 12 and she is already teaching me ways to be more peaceful <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, like it, it's embarrassing sometimes like she calls me up she'll be like mom, <laughs> mom. <laughs> and I'm like okay. I love, I love it I'm like yeah. this is the result exactly oh this is the result she's taking this beyond what was possible for me yeah yeah well when you don't have to overcome all these different conditions that have been put on you and traumas and things it's easier to just embrace it and go so I love that yeah and as your kids get older you see it come more and more and more you're like okay that when I was being the weirdo per se and doing the things differently than everybody else I'm seeing it pay off now. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about intuition, right? This is an intuitive family podcast. I know mm-hmm. intuition, I just have a sense that intuition is a big thing for you. And really, I saw that you wrote a book about, <laughs> about intuition uh, called Moon Circle. That is oh, look, it's about- right here, oh, I- actually. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And we didn't even plan that. I love that. Um, yeah. And it talks about how, you know, women rediscovering their intuition and wildness. Um, why do you think that's important for women just to do that in general, not just homeschool moms, but why is it important for women to do that, to rediscover those things? Yeah, well, I really feel that we have the answers <laughs> to the world problems and to our problems. 
I feel like, yeah, there is a very great feminine wisdom that we can tune into and it will be this that takes us off the path that we're on basically towards uh, catastrophe either in our personal lives but also I'm very much talking about in a global sense you know it feels like we're very much uh you know in some of the most challenging eras in a way um yeah with with so many intersecting crises and you know the future doesn't look very bright and and I really feel that collectively our ability to tune into this wisdom and then offer that wisdom to our communities and society is going to be very important for us choosing a different path so for me like getting in touch with our intuition is not just for our own personal um gain our personal dream fulfillment which I'm all about 100 Mm percent definitely (laughs) but there's also some kind of responsibility in a way I think because I really feel like we can tune in and and download really important information and understandings for you know our our global situation as well yeah so so that is that was really the main motivation for writing this book was the collective experience of that not just the personal one but what is it like when you get together with other women and create a space for you to really tune in and really hear and offer that wisdom out yeah I love that I love that um it's not so personal because even when I think about intuition it is very personal it's my Mm -hmm. version but you're right like once you're doing the work it's kind of hard not to have that ripple effect and and connect to that collective and like you said download because you're open to it um so yeah I love that you're always looking at things from a different perspective I love that (laughs) so much (laughs) yeah it's just increasingly you know something that I I I've been reflecting on these last few years is that kind of the collective consciousness and you know how much power there is in that and if we can create really sacred spaces where we can tune into it you know I feel like even between you and I right now where this conversation it is guided by your questions but I've got no idea what I'm gonna say (laughs) yeah (laughs) you don't in response either and I feel like you know even this conversation is very um you know it is a collective consciousness in a way like we're we're literally creating something new because you and I are becoming present to each other and we don't really have an agenda of um what we're doing we're just our my great hope in this conversation is that I might tune into something beyond me and and provide some sort of wise morsel <laughs> you are you are already you that's what you do that might <laughs> be helpful but yeah. you know that sounds a little grand as I was saying that out loud I'm like Lucy what the heck no but- you know <laughs> it's funny because one of the reasons I started like teaching and having live type of workshops and things is because I found that people didn't think you could have that kind of um, container that kind of sacred space online like zoom felt very 
business and rigid. And I'm just like, I, I don't believe that. I have conversations all the time with people that feel like we're together, that I'm meeting you in person. And it's, it's a, a, like you said, I'm bringing whatever it is with me. You're bringing whatever it is with you. And the moment is the moment. And yes, I have my questions, but I'm not going to just ask them because this is on my list. This is, it's, and you can see they're leading, they're just naturally leading into each yeah, other. Right. Yeah, and I love that. magic. One last question before we get to our lightning round questions. If you had the world's attention for five minutes, what would you say? Oh, that's such a good one. And it's, you know, um, quite a big responsibility yeah. hang on <laughs> let me literally imagine I've got the world's attention for five minutes oh you know it is just my great wish and my great vision that we might be able to tap into our wilder selves you know and not just individually but the collective self that we um had before um, industrialization came along before we decided to implement hierarchies left, right, and center, before we decided to say this group of people is more important than this group of people, before we began to divide the day up into tiny segments of time that we all had to like keep to, um, before we decided to say this behavior is acceptable this behavior is morally depraved you know before we began to create all these random myths about how humans could relate to each other and to the natural world so um yeah it's my great wish that we might be able to remember the part of ourselves that existed long before that that we might be able to um, love one another and be with one another and, and be with our community of living beings outside of the human species and be with ourselves without all of that garbage. Yeah. Um, that to me feels um, like the kind of um, blissful uh, experience that we should be able to have um but you know we we do live in in this very real world so i guess um i would want to invite everyone to see if they can just in a small way tap into that sensation and then bring that into you know this real world that we have yeah. <laughs> with uh you know the structures and the clocks and the capitalism <laughs> You know, you know that would I'd want to invite people to that to that remembering. I would love to ask you a few lightning round questions before okay. we we're done. Okay, let me just <laughs> you ready? <prepare. laughs> All right, very easy, very off the top of your head, whatever comes up. Favorite drink? Um, a cup of tea. Cup of tea. That's very English. So you you can't you can take the girl out of England, but you can't right. take the England out of the girl. There you go. Introvert or extrovert? I'm such a mix. Such <laughs> a mix. You know, I like I ninety percent of the people have been on my show so far. We're in the middle, so yeah. I, need to, I need to change my questions. <laughs> yeah, you're like, well, that's a boring answer because literally everyone said that, Lucy. Like, 
Yes. But like all of my life, I thought I was an, an extrovert because, you know, I love to chat. I love to get up in front of people, you know, um, definitely always been in the leader energy. And but increasingly, as I get older, I notice that actually um, <laughs> a lot of that has been sort of masking in a way and also sort of just fulfilling needs sort of thing Mm -hmm. and these days I am just as likely to want to stay home and read or do my work than kind of get out and about and do that and I'm really just allowing myself the liberation of doing whatever I want uh night owl or early bird night owl all Mm. day I just you know (laughs) yeah I just read until the early hours of the morning often Mm -hmm. and yeah find it really hard to get up um you know before 8 30 but I I kind of like in a way I'm like reclaiming that it's kind of beautiful over the last couple of years I've been really enjoying being like I'm gonna choose to get up early and enjoy the the early morning hours with clients and Yeah. yeah it's been kind of beautiful to yeah have a bit of both Hmm. I love that. Yeah, that autonomy, that empowerment. Like I can do yeah. this if I want to. That changes exactly. the game. <laughs> it totally does. It's the yeah. consent piece. Like actually, when you're consenting to things, um, mm-hmm. you know, it it changes them enormously. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's your favorite season of the year? Uh, I I love spring because. I just love that really tangible shift from, you know, darkness to, um, you know, light and things beginning to bloom and and noticing all the flowers and the spring growth. And yes, I really love spring, but actually if the truth be told, I am addicted to sun. I get super depressed when the sun doesn't come out. So um, if I'm completely honest, it's just bare basic summer. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on this show today. I loved our conversation. I loved it so much too, Camille. I could honestly talk. This is like all of my favorite topics, like (laughs) intuition, women, wisdom, unschooling. love it so thank you so much for having me i love my conversation with lucy akinry and i hope you did too you can find lucy on instagram at lucy underscore akinry and discolearning.com both linked in the show notes now for the special opportunity to learn more from lucy that i mentioned at the top of the episode On Monday, October 30th, 2023 at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, I'm hosting How to Homeschool and Run a Heart-Centered Business, a live webinar with Lucy where she'll share her unique approach to entrepreneurship as a homeschooling mom, and we'd love for you to join us. If you're a homeschooler interested in having a heart-centered business, whether you're just starting out or have been at it for a while, Lucy wants to help you. Join us for this live event, or you can watch the replay if you're a member of Homeschool U Academy, my online school for homeschooling parents. Sign up at homeschoolu, that's the letter U, dot academy slash live. It's linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Intuitive Family Podcast. I would love to know your thoughts about the show, so please leave a rating and review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 
If you love the show, help me spread the word by sharing it with other families you know. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to the podcast and follow me on my socials linked in the show notes. See you for my next episode.